But nowadays, I think it's much more about a partnership and a partnership approach to your healthcare means you have the freedom to share your ideas, concerns and expectations. You have the right to be listened to and heard, to be able to discuss things in an open manner and at the same time, the responsibility to take action on the shared decisions that you and your doctor come to. As I like to say, become more of an active participant in your own well-being as opposed to simply a passive consumer of healthcare. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. Health is the crown on the well person's head that sometimes only the sick person can see. It's our greatest asset. It's priceless. So why is being male a health hazard? Men's health affects all of us, partners, wives, children and friends. Typically, men delay in seeking medical attention, and I see the results of this all the time in general practice. Men are often driven by symptoms to take action. Don't allow fear, denial, apathy or believing that you are simply too busy to stop you from taking action to look after your greatest asset, your health. If you're a leader who recognizes, particularly since COVID-19, that living with vitality and building a more resilient mind matter now more than ever for you and your team, then this podcast is for you. For further details, visit drmarkrow.com. Today, I want to talk about men's health. Many men I've met over the years as a family doctor have neglected their health, and I think that really encouraged me to write the men's health book back in 2009. And I wrote at the start of that book that being male was a health hazard. And back then when I wrote the book, the gap in life expectancy between men and women was about six years. That gap has now closed to 3.6 years. Women tend to live to be 84 in Ireland, men 80.4 years. So the gap has narrowed, but there is still a significant gap there. And When I wrote the men's health book, I was really interested in why that was. And I noticed in my practice, men often delay seeking medical attention. I call it ostrich syndrome, where they stick their head in the sand. And actually, it may take a health crisis personally or in a family or friend um, to act as a wake up call. Men often ignore important symptoms tending to suffer in silence, perhaps with that stoical grin and bear it attitude. And of course, men often fail to avail of preventative checkups. And I was really interested in why that was. And from my own experience, I know it's partly a knowledge gap. And I have a term I use, I call it health IQ, which is having the knowledge, attitudes and awareness to make informed choices and decisions when it comes to your long-term health and well-being, it starts with knowledge. And men 
often know more about their car than they do about their own body. For example, many young men don't appreciate just how important testicular self-examination can be. You know, testicular cancer is one of the commonest cancers affecting young men. Testicular examination is a very easy technique to perform. And of course, testicular cancer is pretty much 100% curable if it's picked up early. Similarly for older men, they often don't know what the prostate gland does, where it's located, or what the symptoms of an enlarged or sinister prostate might be. Many men often will only attend the doctor when told to do so by their partner. And you'll have heard of the saying men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And it is true that we have a different biological makeup to women. So we all have 23 pairs of chromosomes, 22 pairs of regular chromosomes, and then the 23rd pair, which is called the sex chromosomes. For women, it's two X's. For men, it's an X plus a Y. And this Y chromosome is what confers our maleness. It gives men testosterone. And of course, testosterone can be associated with aggression, an increased risk of accidents, an increased tendency to violence and risk-taking behavior in general, whether that's binge drinking, casual sex or illicit drug usage. Testosterone can also be associated with an increased tendency to store belly fat, which is a health hazard for male health. And it can also increase the risks of clotting, increasing the risk of heart disease and stroke. So certainly part of this, you know, being male, being a health hazard is is biological. But I think part of it is also down to our beliefs as men. So I talk about doctor avoidance syndrome, this idea that many men fear going to the doctor, that, you know, admitting you're not bulletproof is a sign of weakness or a sign of vulnerability. And of course, if you have a car, you'll have to get an NCT test on your car. So why not get your body checked regularly as well? Because, you know, many chronic, potentially serious health conditions, whether it's diabetes or heart disease or stroke, are completely preventable. But unfortunately, they often have no symptoms for maybe 20 or 30 years. And at the same time, they can be ticking away under the bonnet, causing problems. So prevention really is better than cure. I think another factor when it comes to men's health is this whole topic of how we deal with stress. And of course, while women tend to be more in touch with their feelings and have stronger social networks and will simply, you know, call up their friends to discuss their worries and problems. And this gives them stronger support networks, which is intrinsically good for your health and well-being. Unfortunately, men tend to bottle up and internalize stress are far less inclined to talk about their feelings, particularly when it comes to mental health. And this is something I've seen a lot in recent years where men really can struggle to open up to feeling afraid or feeling depressed or stressed and feeling down, particularly in the winter. I see a lot of men that suffer from winter blues. Now, I do think things are changing and I think I'm certainly seeing men that are more willing to talk about their mental health. And I think that's certainly to be welcomed. But I do think, think there is 
I do think there still is a way to go here in terms of really leveling the playing field, as it were. Just want to talk about the this idea of the pill for every ill, because unfortunately, one of the downsides of modern medicine is the tendency to overprescribe medication. And that in itself can cause significant problems. But, you know, men often don't comply properly with prescribed treatment or advice. In fact, only about one in every three men will comply sufficiently to affect outcome, not just in terms of somebody having a sore throat or a chesty cough, but in terms of prescribed treatment for chronic health conditions. And that can come down to your own health beliefs in terms of how serious you believe a condition to be, how vulnerable you perceive you are to that condition, and the perceived benefits of either taking action or simply sticking your head in the sand and doing nothing. And I think another important aspect when you're talking about men's health is this whole idea of the doctor-patient relationship. I believe very much you should trust your doctor, not too much, but enough to support you in terms of your long-term health and well-being. So in the old days, it was very much more of a paternalistic relationship. The doctor said, jump, you said, how high? And it was very much about not asking any questions. But nowadays, I think it's much more about a partnership. And a partnership approach to your healthcare means you have the freedom to share your ideas, concerns, and expectations. You have the right to be listened to and heard, to be able to discuss things in an open manner. and at the same time, the responsibility to take action on the shared decisions that you and your doctor come to. As I like to say, become more of an active participant in your own well-being as opposed to simply a passive consumer of healthcare. So I'd just like to talk for a couple of minutes about how to get the best from your doctor or health advisor. And I think, you know, firstly, don't be afraid or embarrassed to ask for help to ask for advice, to ask for support, particularly if you're feeling down or stressed. Be willing to ask questions. The best patient is an informed patient. Consider writing the main symptoms down in advance because research shows that we often forget to either ask something important or tell something significant when we're with the doctor. You know, we may have something we go into the doctor with, but there might be something much more important underlying all of that that we forget to mention. Try and understand the pros and cons of any medication you're offered. For example, if you're being given a prescription, it's really good to understand, is this prescription necessary? Why do I need to take it? What are the benefits? What are the side effects? What are the risks? Are there alternatives? And of course, in terms of lifestyle options, there often are alternatives. There often are alternatives to taking prescribed medication for many chronic health conditions. Talking therapy and counseling can be a very effective option if you're suffering from a low mood or you're feeling stressed or you're feeling anxious or depressed. So looking at what the other options are either as well as or potentially instead of medication. And in terms of talking about this idea of health IQ, know your body, know how your body works, know what's normal for you. And if you notice a change, seek help. For example, if you have a chronic cough or if you start to cough up blood streaked sputum, go to your doctor. 
If your bowel habit changes, if you're passing blood from the back passage, you need to go to your doctor. If you've got a change in your water work pattern, you're starting to get up and pass urine at nighttime when you didn't before, or if you're dribbling at the end, you need to go to your doctor. You know, know your family history. This can be really important for some conditions where there is a significant genetic element. In other words, a significant risk of a condition being passed down the line from generation to generation. For example, if there's a family history of bowel cancer, make sure your doctor knows that. If there's a family history of hemochromatosis, this is a condition where you tend to store excess iron. And it's also known as the Celtic storage disease. It's quite common in Irish men. Make sure your doctor knows about that because knowledge is power and sharing this information can allow your doctor to make better decisions to support you in terms of your long-term health and well-being. And as I always say, know your numbers. I mean, Plato, the philosopher thousands of years ago said, all things are number. And when it comes to your basic health data, you got to know your numbers. And by that, I mean, know what your blood pressure is. I mean, normal blood pressure should be about 120 over 80. 120 is the higher figure when the heart contracts and 80 is the lower figure when the heart relaxes. But the ideal blood pressure is the blood pressure that's measured over a 24-hour time frame. So if there's any suggestion about you having high blood pressure, or if there's a family history of high blood pressure, or you know if you're over a certain age, perhaps over the age of 50, you should certainly consider a 24-hour blood pressure monitor because that's the gold standard to tell you how well your blood pressure is not just three o'clock in the afternoon when you're with the doctor, but at three o'clock in the morning, at six o'clock in the morning. In other words, an instant blood pressure measurement is just like a photograph of a two-hour movie. So getting the 24-hour measurement can be invaluable. In terms of knowing your numbers, know your cholesterol. Your total cholesterol should not be more than five. Many For many people, it should be lower than that. Your bad cholesterol or LDL should never be more than three. And your HDL or good cholesterol should be over one. Your belly circumference, this is your belly fat, getting a tape measure with your belly nice and relaxed, measuring the size of your tummy at the level of the belly button with a tape measure. It should be under 37 inches as a man. And if it's over 40 inches, that's a red flag. And I think belly fat's much more important than weight in terms of being a marker for your health and well-being. Know what your 90-day sugar test is. That's known as your HbA1c. A normal number is under 42. Diabetes is over 48. Between 42 and 48 means certainly an increased tendency towards diabetes. Know what a healthy alcohol consumption is. You know, we talk about the number of units you consume each week. There's two units in a pint of beer. There's perhaps nine units in a bottle of wine. But to that, I would also add important lifestyle numbers because I believe that exercise now should be considered a new vital sign for your well-being. And in terms of exercise, I'm talking about four separate things. I'm talking about, you know, aerobic exercise, which is moving so that your heart rate goes up a little bit. I'm talking about 150 minutes of moderately intense exercise each week. In other words, you can talk but not sing when you're doing it. That's about 30 minutes, five times a week. On top of that, I'd say 15 minutes of strength training or resistance training twice a week. Very important to build muscles, burn fat, strengthen your bones 
and keep you stronger as you get older. You need to do some flexibility exercises twice a week to keep loose and stay flexible. And of course, on top of that, you need to move regularly, move regularly throughout your day. In terms of sleep as a vital sign, most of us need eight hours sleep each night. Many men don't get enough sleep and many men may suffer from sleep apnea syndrome where they're snoring and have absences in their breathing during the night. And it's really important to know about your sleep quantity and sleep quality. And in terms of your food, I simply say, try and eat a rainbow in color each day. All of those colors from beetroot and blueberries through to red peppers and everything in between, eating lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, giving you hundreds of thousands of health boosting phytochemicals to support your long-term health and well-being. In summary, men's health affects all of us, not just men, but children whose dads are struck down with premature illness. And of course, women whose partners, fathers, sons and brothers are affected by health issues. So here's a few key points. Being an Irish male can be a health hazard. Don't allow the usual suspects of fear, denial, apathy, or believing you are too busy to stop you from taking action and looking after your greatest asset, your health. Knowledge is power. Build your health IQ. Know your body, know what's normal for you, and take action if you notice changes or have concerns. Respect your body like your car, and remember, the greatest wealth is health. Treasure it. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.